Hey folks, this is Michael Sargent, and welcome to my new podcast. This podcast is called Tatter. I call it Tatter because I think that's a good metaphor for the kinds of stories I want to feature. The word tatter is a verb. It can either refer to making something ragged, as in, over time, the dog's teeth tatter the chew toy, or it can refer to something becoming ragged itself, as in, over time, the chew toy tattered. Either way, it describes the ways that things or parts of things get worn and torn and ragged. The same thing can happen with the fabric that makes up people's personalities or their communities. Things wear down, they get torn, and they can get ragged. This podcast is my effort to find some of those stories and feature people telling them. Obviously, the stories of how things get made to perfection and how they get tightly woven and knit together are important stories, as are the people who make them. But I want to also make a place for the stories about the things that come apart or that have ragged edges. And this is what Tatter is for. And so, this is episode one of Tatter. This episode focuses on Thomas Bama Gurney. Bama is a musician who lives in Auburn, Maine, the city I also call home. He performs in multiple communities in Maine, including Lewiston which is Auburn's neighbor across the Androscoggin River. In its heyday, Lewiston was a thriving mill town with an economy built on the shoe and textile industry. Like many New England mill towns, though, its fortunes turned for the worse when the mill industry collapsed. The subsequent social and economic decline has been reversing in recent decades, but it's a community that's still often stigmatized, even nicknamed the Dirty Lou. This episode is in part about the song Bumma made about that reputation. And this episode is also about Bumma himself. This episode is titled Doughboy. Be aware that this episode does contain so-called adult language. So you've been warned. And now, Doughboy. I need to get out of the woods now! story about a little town I know called the Dirty Lou. You digging it? Actually, it's name of it's Lewiston. Lewiston, Maine. You ever heard of it? All-American city. I grew up, I was actually born in Mechanic Falls, Maine, um, which is about 10 miles west of uh, Auburn, where we are now. In 1975, in Mechanic Falls, I was actually the third kid of, of the litter, you know. My sister's name was Rebecca, but we call her Becky. My, my brother's name is Daniel. He's the middle one. They nicknamed him Buster. Like, so it was Bummer and Becky and Buster. And then I'm Thomas, and uh, they call me Bummer. So it was Bummer and Buster were our nicknames growing up, you know. And uh, so it was Bucky, Becky, Bummer, and Buster. And, like, you know, throughout childhood... When I got to be, so all my real young childhood friends, they know me as Bummer, you know, and um, and uh, my brother um, discarded his name when he got to high school and he got mad, he'd punch you if you called him Buster. He said, my name is Dan, and he'd punch you in the face, or he'd want to, you know, but, um, so we didn't call him Buster because we didn't want to get punched in the face, so. 
and then you know after a while I mean you know I'm like you know that's who you know I don't care you can call me bummer it was like if you want you know what I mean and and then when I started writing music around 2006 I was like and started putting it on MySpace you know and I was putting stuff online I was like I'll just go with bummer bummer gurney but I'll call it bummer you know because the main thing it's like bummer we'll just call it bummer gurney you know even though it's really bummer really that's the original that's the original name of it so so I went to, from kindergarten to ninth grade there. Um, I graduated from there and I think it was, so um, 75, so it was, it was almost 1990 when I graduated from Elm Street School. And uh, there was only like 50 people maybe in my graduating class, maybe 40 something. So yeah, I grew up in Mechanic Falls and went to Edward Little in Auburn. And, uh, and then after that, I graduated. Um, you know, out of 350 people, I was close to the end of the line and graduating, but I, I did graduate. I barely graduated. So our number one rival has always been Lewiston. So even going, going back to high school, like it was completely, Lewiston was com like not, nothing to do with the dirty loot, nothing to do with the, the city itself. We just hated them no matter what, when I was in high school. We hated their football team, we hated their hockey team, we hated their cheerleaders, we, well, not their cheerleaders, but we hated their, we hated a lot of, like, just them in general. Like, I didn't have any Lewiston friends in high school. When I graduated, I met a few Lewiston kids at my at country kitchen where I worked, and I ended up getting a house with two Lewiston kids, and I met all the Lewiston kids that are my age, and they were all cool, you know? I mean, everybody got along and stuff, and, and it was just a different type of group of people, a different clique, but it was, they were all, you know, I, I generally get along with most different, you know, types of people, so I, I fit in with them, and uh, the people were great, you know, and like at like Lewiston, I lived in, I lived on Upper Lisbon Street for uh, a whole summer, played, um, uh, well, I, I played around with the bread at Country Kitchen for that summer, and I was, I was working there, but... I'm basically bringing that song back to my high. I'm, in, in my mind, I'm going back to high school, and it's a juvenile song, and it's and it's like basically uh, going back and saying, you know, that I'm getting reliving my high school glory days by shitting on Lewiston. So the Dirty Lou, the the the, the I didn't I didn't come up with the name Dirty Lou. That's been around for years, um, like. Over the like, over the years, Lewiston's grown as a reputation. It started a long time ago. I remember reading Stephen King books when I was teenager, and you know, reading about Lewiston. He would write, you know, hey, if you want to get some good drugs, go to Lewiston. You know, like there's like many, um, you know, things where you can read about Lewiston being where it got to its reputation. I was at my friend's house in. Um, New Auburn, you know, after an open mic, we went over there and I was just kind of like playing around with these chords. I'd been playing around with these chords for a few weeks now, just kind of like making up my own songs. Like, uh, at first it was toothbrush. I miss you so much. 
much, you know, and it was just kind of like, like instead of, and then like, cause I had gone over to this girl's house and slept over and I woke up the next morning and my, my mouth was all dirty. So I was like, toothbrush, I miss you so much. And just making up different li- lyrics for it. So I was over there and, um, over in New Auburn and I could see all, where he lives. It was in the fall. So there was no, um, there was no leaves. So I could see the lights you know, and, and I could see the Basilica and I could see all the lights in Lewiston and I'm up in New Auburn on the hill in New Auburn and I'm like just playing the song and I was like, I can see Lewiston and I was just freestyling it right across the river and my friend's wife is, she's like, well, let me get my computer and she starts to like stenographer it out and of the Androscoggin and I just freestyled it. I'm okay with Lewiston as long as Lewiston stays over there you know as a sarcastic we had just come from lewiston from an open mic in lewiston so i was like all right um you know this is um this is uh, this is like not not what i really wasn't intending you know it's kind of a sarcastic thing so it's not really like something that I had planned on doing. It was just kind of like being, you know, it won't be long until I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be back, you know? So, and then it's the dirty Lou and that's what, that's what it's been called for years. So I think that once I wrote that song and then put it out there, um, people were like, started to call it that way more often, you know, like it, it more popularized it. Um, so now it's more of a household name. requested songs and I don't personally like enjoy playing it but only because like it's I mean it's not necessarily like they they're want they're wanting to hear it for almost the wrong reasons like it's funny but to me it's not like I'm not I'm not I don't hate Lewiston I love you know I, I'm in Lewiston just as much as I'm in Auburn I like hanging out there more than I like hanging out I like living over here and you know but either way I mean I've lived in Lewiston too um, but yeah people People love it, though. The cops love it. City count. Certain people I see online um, are really disgusted by the fact that somebody is calling their city dirty or something like that. Um, but I mean, you know, one of the reasons why I wrote it was because, first of all, it's always had that reputation building up to that. But I mean, I walked. I, I slept at a an apartment on Pine Street. The, the week before I wrote it and I literally I walked up to Bork's and just from one block I could have filled up four trash bags probably of trash that was on the side of the road there was trash in the trees like there was a tree with like a bag stuck in it with trash in it and so I mean I'm just pointing out you know a fact of some sorts you know and, and it's come a long way it's got it's you know 
that park that's downtown. I like that with the fountain and stuff. And it's, you know, they're, they're doing some things. So, I mean, but um, most of the time people, you know, like it. But there's also those people that are that are just kind of, I want to say, just hard-headed and don't want to, like, realize that it's, it's sarcastic, first of all. And second of all, they don't want to get by the fact that that their city might not be perfect or something, you know, like, cause I've been in, um, like the goose before I played it at the goose and you know, 90% of the people like it, but there's 10, there might be this one junk chick. That's like, you don't say that about my town. I'm like, wait, your teeth are falling out. <laughs> so just, just worry about your teeth and worry about my song. <laughs> no, but no, there's nothing wrong with teeth being out, but, um, uh, you know, my dad doesn't have any teeth, so whatever. So we drove around, and that's when I was like, hey, ask this guy if he's digging it. And we rolled up, and he said, hey, you digging it? And then the, I don't know if you've seen the beginning of the video, and he's like, I'm going to show you what I'm ready to dig, boys. My hair at the back across your face. Better get the camera out of my fucking face. And he then you notice he gets right up in the camera's face. Like, you couldn't even tell who he was, but he takes his hoodie off. He takes his hood off and he gets right in the camera's face. He's like, what? You scared? You know, like, and whatever. And so, like, I was laughing my ass off. I was, like, reminding me of, like, uh, Old Dirty Bastard when he was like, you want to be in my video? It's <laughs> like, you're in it. You're in it now. So, yeah, I got him in, I got him in the video. But it would have been funnier if I would have just stopped the car, keep rolling, jumped out. And then if I would have jumped up on top of the car and Jimmy Superfly snuck it on top of him. <laughs> But I didn't want to do that because I don't want to get stabbed. It's probably good you didn't do that. <laughs> well, but I was in the Tough Man contest in 1994, so, you know. Boy, don't tell me that story. Well, Tough Man contest, uh, you've heard of that thing back in the day. Uh, what was it, Kevin Costner was in the Tough Enough show. It was a movie called Tough Enough. But, um, yeah, Tough Man contest came around, and... Uh, I was like, all right, I, I used to, you know, me and my brother used to duke it out and stuff. I used to get in the gurney rumbles, they're called. So um, I, I joined the Tough Man contest, and uh, I was working at um, Papa Gino's at the time. So I was making the dough in the morning, so I was, like, doing it. So um, I was the maintenance guy making the dough, and then I would do the grill and make the hamburgers and stuff. And uh, I was the dough boy, so I was, like... Uh, Tom Doughboy Gurney or Bama Doughboy Gurney. I can't remember, but my nickname was Doughboy. And uh, I wasn't I wasn't really that big then. I was actually 175 or 180 when I was under 185 because that's how much the light heavyweight was. And now I'm about, uh, about 300 right now. But um, yeah, so I, I uh, the first night the guy didn't show up. I was the last person called. So I got automatically put to the second second round. So I went back the second night, and I partied that night. My victory, <laughs> my victory of, of being uh, get to the second round by eliminate by uh, disqualification. The guy never showed up. Um, so I partied all night, got no sleep. But came in the next day, and I'm fighting this guy. He's probably like six three, still like one eighty, but he's like tall, way taller than me. You know, skinny, skinnier, and. Um, and we just duked it out for three rounds, like haymaker, haymaker, haymaker. But um, I turtled him. I got him like this. I got him to punch himself out silly until he put his hands down. And then I just started swinging as hard as I could. I uh, got him backed up. He fell down. Uh, but the, the bell rang. I ended up getting a, a unanimous decision. I went back. 
Um, I looked up and then all the, the, the lights are all like, I'm seeing triple, quadruple lights. Joey Gamash was and uh, Hey folks, this is Michael. Uh, for those who don't know, Joey Gamash is a boxer who was born in Lewiston, Maine, uh, who went on to win the WBA super featherweight title and also held the WBA uh, lightweight title. Joey Gamash was and uh, Terry Boss. Terry Boss was the Terry Boss. Yeah, his his manager. They were like, great fight. They were all like, yeah, you're awesome. And they're by no joke. The whole crowd was chanting, "Doe boy, doe boy, doe boy." Like in the third round, that's all I could hear was "Doe boy, doe boy." And they had it. They actually have it. They have the film of it somewhere, and I don't know. Like somebody recorded it, and I wanted to get it. I have not found that yet. I want to see that so bad. That would be so great. But um, I ended up, uh, I, I drank some Powerade and then I went into the, the locker room and I puked and I went back and I, and then I seen the next guy I was supposed to fight. He was, he was pacing back and forth with headphones on. He was chiseled. He'd been training for this thing. He wasn't, he hadn't even broken a sweat. He, he had, he had, he beat somebody. He punched the guy in the stomach and knocked him out in the first round with a gut shot. This first, the first, the night, the fight right before me, and I was like, "I think I gotta fight that guy," and he's and he was like menacing, and I couldn't see, you know. So I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna call it a victory. One and zero. I'm one and zero. I'm two and zero. If you want to count my first night, two and zero. That's my that's my record. I'll just take my two and zero, and I'll. Well, I I I just decided not to get my ass kicked. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I'm just gonna give you this one. I'll let the guy go. And he ended up uh, winning the whole thing. So, you know, it's probably a good idea that I did that. You said you began, like, writing music in 2006. Did you have a musical background at all prior to then? Yeah. Um, when I was uh, in Mechanic Falls in um, 1983, I was eight years old, 84. My, you know, because we had a broken guitar like the whole time, you know, growing up. Nobody, nobody played music, but we loved music. We loved listening to music, you know. Uh, Eagles, um, Simon and Garfunkel. Um, we like to listen to the the Lips. That was my first uh, forty five. Was uh, Lips Incorporated, the uh, Funky Town. Um, but we had a lot of different music stuff. But I started playing saxophone. Um, you know, my mom got me one of those student saxophones when I was in, um, when I was in fourth grade. So I played that from fourth to about ninth grade. And then when I, when I went to Edward Little, you know, I didn't want, my saxophone needed a tune up and I kind of started playing guitar at that point and the drums. So I kind of didn't want to go into the, I was worried about what people were going to think about me and, and be a band geek and being from Mechanic Falls, not knowing anybody in Auburn. I didn't want to become, you know, just known as this band geek, you know, which I regret now, obviously, but like, I didn't want to just carry around my saxophone, you know, and dirt, dirt, dirt. So I figured if I played the drums in the band, I would have my drumsticks in my back pocket and I could twirl them around and, you know, that's kind of cool, but, and didn't really work out. I just ended up quitting the band and I just played my guitar and I kind of just discarded my saxophone for 20 years. I just left it on the shelf and started playing the guitar and then eventually picked up the harmonica and started going with that. Sun, 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 sun Journal reports, 80% of Lewiston is infested with bed bugs. Bed bugs. Bed bugs. Bed bugs.
bed bugs. Bed bugs. Sun Journal Report. 80% of Houston is infested with bed bugs. This was like right around 2010, and there was all the, the bed bug infestation were hitting the newspapers. Um, there was a headline that said 80% of Lewiston was in downtown Lewiston is infested with bed bugs. Um, there was like the CMMC. There was there was all these stories about um, these city buildings getting bed bugs, uh, schools getting bed bugs in their um, uh, music instruments and everything. So. Um, I had kind of a pair in the back of my mind. I was a little paranoid. I moved into her place in Lewiston. This is a friend that Bummer moved in with. I had kind of a pair in the back of my mind. I was a little paranoid. I moved into her place in Lewiston and, um, and I didn't really think too much of it. And, uh, I went to, um, little Joe's one night, which is right around the corner there. And I got a cab back. Um, and the cab driver city cat, he turned around and he says, he says, uh, hey, um, you're not scratching back there, are you? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, why? And he's like, he's like, there was bed bugs in car number five. Those his exact words. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, there was bed bugs in car number five. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, I, I got in my cab. I was started itching. I didn't know what it was. Uh, I thought maybe it was something I ate. And I was like, maybe you ate an oxy or something. I don't know. <laughs> he's like, he's like, uh, well, uh, no, I brought my car back and I changed the car and uh, I stopped itching. So it was bed bugs. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> thanks. All right. So I was like, whatever. So I get home uh, and uh, I realized that there was like, there was like down below, there were cats. And um, they had, they, the people downstairs had moved out. So they had fleas, the cats had fleas, and they left them behind in the apartment. So they started coming upstairs, they went down in the basement. So I went down in the basement to try and check out, see if there was a cable or something I could you know, mess around with. And I, I come upstairs and there was fleas on my legs and I was just freaked out about it because I'd never seen this many fleas in my life. There was probably like a dozen fleas on my, crawling around on my ankles from the basement. So I went upstairs and I was freaking out and she, I don't know, she had been living there a couple months. She had never seen a flea. I had lived there for maybe a week and like they were like, I could, you know, maybe they were just more attracted to me because I had hair on my legs. I don't know and whatever. So I was just sat in my room and I was wide eyed about, you know, and I was just sitting there and I'm like, and I, that's what happens if I can't sleep sometimes, I'll just sit in my bed and I'll write, you know, I'll write something. So my first line was, oh no, say it ain't true. I had to move back to the Dirty Lou. And then, you know, then it goes on from there, you know, with uh, just crackheads chomping on the bit for a hit, robbing Rite Aid for some Oxycontin. There was a there was something that week that somebody had robbed uh, Rite Aid for Oxycontin and happened to be a kid I went to high school with in Auburn. So it's like just, you know, just experience. I took basically true experiences for the most part in that song. All of it's a true story for the most part. I mean, if I could go down and break down each line, I, I mean, I could give you a reference or from pretty much every line in the song of something that happened, you know. Tough guys hang on the corner by the store, wrinkled titties flashing, it's a Louis Denor. That's actually got propositioned. I went up with the camera and this, this uh, prostitute came up to me 
And she goes, oh, a camera. And she pulled her shirt up and these two socks with quarter rolls came down, <laughs> some old bananas. So, but anyway, um, yeah, so she's like, yeah, hey, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, and then she started talking about um, how, you know, it'd be like $100 for 20 minutes. And I was like, ooh, that's a little steep. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, not, not that I was going to do it for five, but I'm just saying, like, that's crazy. Oh. I'm not proud of what I've, you know, I'm not proud of everything I've done. One, you know, one of the things is, um, you know, getting arrested for OUI uh, more than once. But this last time I got arrested, um, I was playing a show at Pedro's and um you know we what, had a, what, what is Pedro's Pedro O'Hara's it's a, a restaurant in uh, Lewiston restaurant slash bar and um you know I was I was playing a show there that night and I live I lived about a mile away so but that's Pedro's is in Lewiston you basically got to come out of the come out of the parking lot go take a right go across the bridge go through a few lights go past Denny's, take a right um, after CVS, and then take another right, and then the left, and you're, you're at my house. So it was like three or four turns, and it was fine. Like, and so I was driving home, and I shouldn't have been driving because I had too many to drink. Um, at this point, I, had on, I was on multiple EY. I wasn't supposed to drink anything. So, but I, you know, when, you, when you've had a few, you don't think, you know, about that sort of thing. So I was decided, you know, I can get there. So I, I drove, um, and I drove down my street and I, I seen a cop, uh, see me drive by, pulled out behind me. So I'm like, okay, there's a cop behind me. I knew there was a cop behind me. So I, I put my blinker on, came to a complete stop, turned up my street. And then I don't, I wouldn't say I sped cause I'm, I'm only about 10 apartments up. I'm a quarter a tenth of a mile up the road. I did accelerate to 25 pretty fast, you know, just kind of to get in my driveway. Um, and he pulls me over as I'm pulling in my driveway. So I pull in my driveway and I get out and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, uh, what's going on? And he's like, he's like, Hey, uh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what are you pulling me over for? And he's like, you were doing like 45 miles an hour. And li this is literally from one stop sign to my house is a tenth of a mile. So there's no way I can, in my Ford Focus, can I get going from zero to 45 and still pull into my driveway in a tenth of a mile? It's physically impossible. I was like, 45? I was like, no. And he's like, yeah. He's like, what are you, where are you kind of, you know? And I'm like, this was now, this was on a Friday night at midnight. Now that was the reason, real reason why he pulled me over is that, you know, he's looking for people like me. So maybe he ran my plate and saw that I had a zero tolerance. I don't know. But I get out and, you know, this is all on the body cam or the all, this is all on the dash cam. So I get out and he has me do, you know, a little, um, you know, the, the walking thing. Now, now I find out after that if you're 50 pounds overweight, then the whole walking um, or the whole standing on one foot or the whole walking toe to toe thing is irrelevant because literally I can't do that right now without making myself look drunk. So that, that should have been thrown out right there, but I ended up, um, you know, doing it and it, doing it terribly, you know? So 
And uh, I'm like, hey, I'm the dirt, you know, I was like, I was like, yeah, I wrote the, didn't you, he's like, didn't you write the Dirty Lou? I'm like, yeah, he's like, well, you're under arrest. He goes, now you can write something, now you can write the Dirty Auburn or something like that. <laughs> now you can write, he's like, now you can write about something about the Dirty Auburn. And I'm like, ah, oh, what a dick. So, uh, so he's pulling out my, and I'm literally in my driveway at this point. Like I got arrested in my driveway just because he was suspected me for being an OUI. What happened was he came up to me and I was trying to text, I was trying to text for, cause I knew I was getting arrested. So I was trying to text for somebody to come bail me out. And he's like, put your phone away. And I kind of like turned away from him so he wouldn't be able to, and he, and he, and at this point he slapped my phone out of my hand and he put my arm in a chicken wing and I'm a big guy, you know, and he pulled my arm behind my back and I could hear it and he pushed it up behind it and I could hear it pop in my elbow. So I knew like it was something was like a ligament or something had messed up. And then they put me in this like hole for no reason. So I was like, I was like, all right, well that's, you know, that's, I mean, I know I'm under arrest, but there's no reason to do that. But I said that in other words, you know, and then at this point he pissed me off and I was, I'm not going to be nice to him anymore. So the, um, the harmonicas are all over the place and he's like what do you he's like is there anybody home in your apartment which is irrelevant it's none of his business so i'm like uh just shut up and he's like is there anybody home in your apartment and i'm like just shut up and he's like he's like what do you want me to do with these harmonicas i go shove them up your ass <laughs> <laughs> and uh of course he didn't like that i was fine with him until he st until he um popped my popped my elbow out and did did all that um so i was like i was pretty upset with him so we went down to the police station and he didn't shove them up his ass he i think he put him in his uh put him in a ziploc bag or something but uh he we went down to the police station and and meanwhile we get down there okay and this is something that you know auburn and lewiston could probably go with I looked at their breathalyzer machine and I was like, you want me to blow in that thing? I said, that looks like uh, the guy on the, the computer on War Games, Matthew Broderick. What was it? What was his name? The, the, the computer's name? Uh, I'll think of it in a second when I'm not directly trying to think remember. of it. But you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, these guys didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I'm like, I'm like, you know, uh, Matt, Matt was his name? Not, no, not Matthew Broderick, but... In War Games. Yeah, the, the computer. The, it looked like this big old 80s, like, box. It looked like a Nintendo 64 yeah. meets ColecoVision or something. And I'm like, you want me to blow into that thing? I go, why don't you update your... So I blow into it, and of course, I got my tongue in the thing. I'm like... <sighs> And I'm like, my face is turning purple and I'm like making pretend I'm blowing into it. And he's like, he's like, you're not blowing into it. And I'm like, oh, yes, I am. And I'm like blowing into it. Look, he's like, your face is turning purple. I go, that's because I blew all my breath out into it. And I can't, <laughs> I can't, I, I can't blow anymore. And then, and then I, they didn't, they didn't understand that the war games reference. I'm like, no, I'm not. This thing looks like I said it like five times. And then of course, when I go down there, I see my friend, he's a, he's a three, Two out of these three cops, I knew them when I first got pulled in there. And they're like, what are you doing down here, Gurney? And I'm like, oh, you know, I get my OUI. And I get, you know, that's what I do. That's my thing. That's what I like to do. I like to get OUIs, you know. That's just my thing. I like to, that's what I'd like to do. I collect them, you know. Some people collect uh, garbage pail kid cards. Some people collect, you know, like stamps. But I, you know, I'm a, I'm a OUI collector. But anyway, I, I'm, I like to keep it lighthearted. Uh, got any kids? No kids, just my cats. Uh, what are the cats' names? Cat kids. 
Well, um, they go through their phases of names. Their their God given names were um, uh, Irie, um, little boy, and big baby. Pretty girl. Well, now Irie, I'll call her pretty girl. So I call them basically girl, boy, and baby. Their original stripped down names. Now, since my roommate Jim's lived here, we've gone with the wrestling. We've gone with the wrestling theme. So we have um, Brock Lesnar. That's uh, Big Baby's name. We got a new kitten. We call him Nature Boy Ric Flair. Um, we have uh, Mr. Fuji, which is um, also a little boy. And then China is Irie's nickname. And um, they're pretty accurate when you look at them. And we just had a we just had a, a, a cat move in and out over the over the last couple of weeks, and just for a quick stay. There's just just until, and uh, we called him Coco Beware, but it was a girl, so. So Coco can go both ways, you know what I mean? Coco is kind of a girl's name, but the Coco Beware, she, and uh, Coco Beware, she took off. I don't even know where she went. I think she got pregnant and had some kids somewhere. <laughs> no, she's gone. That's all right, though. Um, I guess maybe a question regarding the future. Um, like, where do, you, where do you see Tom Bamagurney in uh, 10 years? Um, probably dead. <laughs> if you want to be yeah. honest, yeah. but uh, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell you. You know, I don't have the healthiest lifestyle, so yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. If I was a betting man, which I am, and I typically lose when I bet. Well, when I sometimes, um, <laughs> I would. I would bet that I'm gonna lose. I would bet on the loser. Well, but, if, you, if you're betting that you're going to be dead, I, I, I hope you're wrong about that bet. Nah, me too. Me too. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, it, ten years from now, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's a long th- That's a long ways away. You know, because I kind of, I, I gave up on. I wanted to concentrate on my music and my other, you know, ask like things that I do. Like I like I made some commercials for City Cab actually. City Cab, so they, they after the, um, the, the, the our video came out, they actually, not too long after the, that, the, the, dirty video the, dirt, um, the infested video, the infested video, which has the line, you the know, line. call City Cab. So, yeah. like, not too long after that, maybe six months, they sold their business or they went out of business. There was a thing in the paper, which had nothing to do with us, I don't believe, but um, they were going, they were bought out by um, Ace... Um, the towing company, um, or whatever. So, so the 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 owner of the towing company got a hold of me and said, "I want you to make." He's like, "I love the video. I show infested to everybody." He lives in Florida too, and he lives. He has a sh- uh, house down there. He's like, every time, and I've heard people they say, "I show people your, your your videos because I want them to know where I'm from," you know. And I show them, you know, Lewis did the dirty Lou. Or I show them this, and I say, "This is where I'm from," you know. And it's a pretty accurate, they mostly say it's a pretty accurate dis- depiction of it. And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, that's why, I, you know, I'm not trying to, like, lie or anything. You know, I'm just, like, just telling you my my perspective of it. Um, but he uh, he reached out to me and said, you know, I want you to do some commercials for me. And I was like, well, that's what I kind of went to school for, you know, up in up in Hudson. And uh, so I was like, sure. So I got the camera. I got the, I got a little software to, to do a, you know. Not not super f- professional, but enough, you know. So he, I made a couple commercials for him. 
that's the kind of thing that I want to do though. I want to make videos. I want to write, write songs. I want to do stuff that, you know, that I can just survive on. I don't want to become rich and famous. I just want to be able to survive off of my music and my creative abilities instead of, um, slaving away at a job, you know, and I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm going to be starting to look for a job. It's been three years, but it's uh, a point where, um, you know, I got some, you know, I got high blood pressure, health issues, stuff like that, where I, where I should probably have insurance, where my job, my line of work has been difficult for me to, to get insurance. Um, so there's like things that, you know, I have to take care of. Um, I'm single. So like, you know, I, I just kind of, have a bachelor lifestyle where I just kind of do what I want. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't literally think I'm going to, I mean, I'm just saying it's a possibility that I might be dead in 10 years, but I realistically, I'd like to get my shit together where I can, you know, be more productive. I've been kind of in a rut with my, uh, creative, uh, st stylings lately. You know, I don't really, I've been motivated to do a lot of, lot of cool stuff. So it's just a matter of um, waiting and seeing, but you know you can't just wait and see. You gotta like get out and do something. So I don't know. Maybe if I get somebody to give me some direction or help me to you know to 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 do something, then you know I can probably do a better job at it. But I feel like um, uh, at this point, like I've never been, I've never felt this way where I'm like not even like you get to be. I'm 42 years old, so you get to a point where it's, I wouldn't say it's a midlife crisis, but it's like almost like a, just what, what, what is there out there? What to do? What are we going to do? What's next? You know? It sounds like one of your um, themes in life is don't take things too seriously. Is yeah. that right or is that wrong? Oh, uh, that's definitely one of my themes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't take myself too seriously. I do take things seriously when they need to be taken seriously but I try not to get worked up about little stuff and I try not to take myself too seriously and then when people when people get all about things you know and about something small and you know they like say just the fact that you know the dirty like I've never had a lot of people attack me personally about the dirty loose song but like I hear people online saying they hate the stigmatism of it they hate the nickname the moniker and i'm sure they've seen the video or they've heard of me or whatever so i'm sure i'm associated with that somehow but i don't um i don't feel i feel like that most of the people kind of know it's a joke some people some people it, it feeds into their own hatred or just thinking that it's dirty and they think yeah it is dirty you know whatever but um, to me, it's not, it's not any dirtier than Auburn or it's not that bad of a place. I mean, I'm, I'm there, like I said, I'm, I go there every day, like pretty much I'm, I'm over there for something. Um, so it's, it's more or less just a sarcastic thing for me, you know, just, uh, just, a, just the, the whole term and the whole video in general is like, yeah, it's the dirty loo, but I'll be back. I'm, I'll be there. I'm part of the fucking fabric there. So, you know, it's like. It's not like I'm like shitting on it, or I'm shitting on myself if I am, you know? I need to get out of Lewiston! Get the fuck out of Lewiston! I'll tell you a little story about a little town I know. Called the Dirty Lou. You digging it? Actually, it's 
name of it's Lewiston. Lewiston, Maine. You ever heard of it? All American city. So that's it for Doughboy and for this episode of Tatter. Uh, I'm really grateful to you for listening. I hope you heard some things that you liked. And I hope that you will check out uh, the next episode of Tatter. I plan to release the next episode in two weeks. For now, thanks for listening and be well.